Hi, this is Pastor Stephen. I am the pastor of New Beginning Church in Singapore. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this podcast will build your faith. Hope you grow deeper in the word of the Lord and know Him personally in much deeper way. Enjoy the message. God bless you. The best advice that a father can give his son. The best advice that a man could give his disciple. The best advice that anybody could give anybody, which is the advice that I believe God is giving us. In all you're getting, get wisdom. David told Solomon in Proverbs chapter 4, Go out, all out, son. Get wisdom because wisdom will exalt you. In all things, get wisdom, get understanding because it is far better to have foresight, insight than hindsight. The best substitute for experience is to be young and wise. So this is the voice of wisdom part two. While we are still young, while we are still able to be wise, we can heed to the voice of wisdom because there is that voice in our mind that can cause us to believe and create our mindset that helps us to make choices. It helps us to say yes to the right things and no to the things that are most unhealthy, undesirable. We can choose correctly. That's basically what wisdom is. Yeah, I know. Did, did I say when we are young, we can still be wise? And did I mean that I'm still young? No, I, I'm, I'm not young. But I'm younger than I will be Tomorrow, I'm younger than I'm going to be next year, and I can still make decisions today that are going to benefit me in the years to come. You're never too old to be wise. And never assume that because you're old, that you're wise. You just have made more mistakes. You know, Solomon was able to look at these two women, both women arguing about a child, and he was able to understand how to solve that problem while he was still a man and young. How would he have insight into maternal instincts? That's what wisdom does. Wisdom gives us insight and foresight in areas where we don't have any expertise or any training or any research. So this part two of the voice of wisdom is all about how. How are we going to live our lives and make right choices so that we can maximize our potential, so that we can have a skillful heart, an understanding heart? Well, in part one, I talked about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Maslow discovered something that Jesus already understood from years ago. Jesus understood that human beings have multi-dimensional layered needs 
But Jesus had a different formula from Maslow. Now, you should be able to see on the slides somebody's idea of how Maslow's hierarchy of needs probably suits the Western culture more than the Asian culture. Because in Asia, we have more face to protect. Okay? Not that we're better looking, but we want to look better. We want to look good. So we put on a mask. So we do whatever that we need to do to get social acceptance. And if you're looking at that pyramid for, for Asians, you probably realize that in Asians, social status is very important. So we do everything to be seen to be acceptable. And there's something missing in that, that Asian pyramid, in that self-actualization. That's very important because self-actualization is the words that Maslow used to describe what Jesus was saying, which I'm going to touch on at the end of this sermon, and that is, seek the kingdom and all its righteousness. That was Jesus' recipe. That was Jesus' formula. That, that is the word of wisdom for us. That if we put the first thing first, nothing else would be needed. But if you don't put the first thing first, you will always be in need. Now there's another formula, uh, or rather I would say, there's another version of this pyramid, which they call it the five C's. Um, well, I don't know, maybe some of these need to be adjusted a little bit. Cash, well, basically money, credit card, car, condominium. I guess this must be a Singaporean version because condominium, right? And number five, country club membership. So how do you know that you've made it in life? How do you know that you're somebody when you've got all of these five? And that's when you're ready to get married. And I think maybe people who are looking at this kind of pyramid of ladder of achievements to climb on, they're confusing the word success with happiness. I don't think God was referring to success at all. Jesus was not referring to success at all when he spoke on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are thee. Some translations translate the word blessed as happy. The Bible doesn't actually have that word happy. Have, the Bible has words like joy, blessings, which I think is very close similarity in meaning to what we mean as being happy. Happy is simply to go through life without baggage, perhaps. To go through life uh, not having regrets. To go through life just content, ready for all the uncertainties that come ahead of us knowing that uh, even if we fall, somebody's going to catch us because we have value. So a lot of people confuse success with happiness. So you can have all those five C's. You might have success, but not happiness. Now, 
I guess in the Asian context, we have all these people to think about. Filial piety is towards our parents. Then we, at some point, have to think about friends, family. And yeah, in many Asian countries, governments play a very important role. Uh, lots of people depend on government and lots of people complain about government. Government plays a central role in our lives. So sometimes we blame government for things that we didn't achieve and sometimes uh, sometimes we move to certain countries because not because the climate there is better but because they say the country is better what they mean is that the government has better systems and the government has uh, ways of operating structures which they think will give them maximum benefit so we rely on government and yet there are others who say, hey, we can't depend on parents, we can't depend on family and friends, we can't depend on uh, government, because governments can change, but we need to depend on self. Our education, our skills, our career, our jobs. Some people think that's self-actualization, that's not what Jesus meant at all, because that's pretty much self-centered. I want you to think about this. Looking at that diagram, which is a triangle and with triangles inside of that big triangle, are these parties that operate very big in our lives that, you know, sometimes we are trying to achieve all of these things to impress them. Are they actually our supporters or are they our audience? Here's the difference between supporters and audience. You know, when you, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you go to a sporting event and you're a supporter, right? You're there to cheer one of the teams or one of the players who are taking part in the event. You go there to be on their side. You go there to encourage them. You go there because you want those guys to do well and to win. That's a supporter. So supporters, even sometimes, you know, supporters of teams, especially football teams, you know, when the team is not doing well, they still go to the stadium and support. Recently, I was watching the last weekend of the English Premier League. In the midst of the pandemic, the government decided to allow fans to go back to the stadiums. Uh, not full capacity, but whatever capacity it was, there was no doubt all the fans that were allowed in I mean, whatever level of number of fans that were allowed, uh, you could easily find that quota taken up because fans, they love their teams. Even though the last week of the Premier League, um, the, the champions were already decided, the teams that were relegated were also decided, even the relegated teams had their fans coming to support them. But... If you go to a concert, that's an audience. They depend expecting you to perform. It's like sometimes when we do live preaching in an audience, I, I don't think those people came because they really want to give me moral support. They, they came because they want to receive something. They want to get something. They don't get it. They're going to go away disappointed. That's what I call an audience. Supporters came to give. Audience 
came to think. So, I wonder if all those parties in there whom you thought were your supporters, whom you thought were your factors of support in helping you to meet and achieve things in life, perhaps are not really your supporters, they're more like your audience. And now you have to perform. And then you have all those negative motivators and the stresses coming in. So much so, you try to achieve success, not so that you can achieve all your potential, but you want to achieve success to avoid what I call the four stresses. Shame, guilt, fear, failure. To the extent that even if those four stresses were able to catapult you to success, you will never be happy. So let's hear the words of Jesus. We continue John's, uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 27 to 30. Here's what Jesus said. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of your life? Will worry extend your life? Probably medical science says the opposite. Worry, if anything, decreases lifespan. Worry weakens immunity system. Well, if you can't achieve anything by worrying, then why are you anxious about clothing? Why don't you consider, well, the lilies of the field? Why don't you consider how the lilies of the field neither spin nor toil, that they still grow in spite of not spinning and toiling, and that they achieve this grandeur that was greater than even that which was the garments of Solomon. And Solomon, you know, greater than Solomon. And yet, there's nothing permanent about about the lilies of the field here today and gone tomorrow. And if God so clothes the lilies of the field, will He not much more clothe you, you who are of greater value to Him? You who are of greater value to Him, if you become so anxious, you become you of little faith, not you of great value. Because we, through worry, we diminish our value. Through worry, we restrict our value from being unleashed and being unlocked. There's a, rhetoric, there's a rhetorical question here. Can you increase your lifespan by worry? You know the answer to that, right? And then there's a pedagogical question. If God takes care of the grass, then will He not take care of you? So, one of the reflection points I want to say here is that, look, if God, He's our Father, right? Which father would want to have his kids 
stressed out. Who want to have his kids pressured. How much stress and pressure does God want you to have? You decide. A little bit? A little bit? The God who fed his son to die on the cross, whose son said to you, Come to me, ye who are heavy laden, because I am light of yoke. How much stress would that God, how much pressure would that God want you to have? Consider the lilies of the field, friends. They have no permanence, they have no legacy, they have no significance, they have no great value. They just basically exist, apparently, to just put on a great dazzling show of the wonders and beauty of nature. Here today and gone tomorrow. Are we not more than just existing in this life to put on a dazzling show of materiality and status to impress people? If that's the case, we're building a life of very shaky foundation. I'm paraphrasing Jesus here, guys. Let's go on to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 31 to 34. Therefore, if you don't get it, Jesus is concluding it first. Therefore, do not be anxious. Do not say, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we, what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, you know, people who don't know God, who don't have a relationship with God, who do not realize the value that God has put on them, who refuse to... Um, come into the light, who continue to walk according to darkened minds, who continue to allow all forms of voices to permeate their mind, voices to speak into their mind and to torment them. These Gentiles, you know, they want to do it the hard way. They want to do it the Maslow hierarchy of needs way because they don't know any better. But you, having heard my words, you should know better. You should know that you can live big, you can work up. Why don't you, in verse 33, he says, Seek ye first the kingdom and all its righteousness. As I said before, if we seek the first thing first, then we will have nothing else in lack. We will have no other need. He said, you know, why don't you seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness? And all those things... You know, all those other things, all those lower level needs, all those things that people strive so hard. People try to sow and reap to get it. People spin and toil to get it. All those things which saps the energy that extracts all life out of people to the point that people just go through life in existence but not having any quality of life. They have years, but they have no life in those years. Why don't you relax? Understand that if you put the first things first, you will receive the rest. Don't be anxious about tomorrow, because tomorrow will take care of itself. See, people who don't have a revelation, who don't have a relationship with God, they're going to be tossing and turning in their mind 
indecision, flip-flopping, because the voices that churn in the mind, the voices that speak in the mind, changes every day. Hey, why don't we learn to live according to purpose? Not according to prosperity. Because if we learn to put purpose first, prosperity, safety, and everything else that we thought other people would provide for us, God will find a way to bring it into our lives. That's what Jesus is saying. I just want you to achieve the purpose. I just want you to focus on making a difference in this world. I want you to focus on, you know, creating disciples. I want you to purpose on, you know, loving God with all of your heart. I want you to focus on loving a neighbor as yourself. I want you to focus on being a good Samaritan to a person in a ditch. And I don't want you to worry about the cost of you focusing on all of those things and putting those things first. Because I am a faithful God. I am a God of steadfast love and my faithfulness, my loving kindness will never cease. I commit my covenant, I'll take care of the rest. You achieve just that one first thing and you will receive the rest. First things first, guys. That's what Jesus is saying. You see, this guy Maslow, he, he, you know, Maslow, he understood the ingredients to life. But Jesus got the recipe right. Is it that man needs to live big and work up? And Maslow, he makes statements like this. It's either a person is walking towards safety or walking towards risk. If he walks towards safety, he will regress and he will be playing safe, comfort zone, and he will be unhappy. But if he's walking towards risk, in spite of there being uncertainty in there, he will grow. Because Maslow said, the only people I know who are happy are those people who are doing working really hard on doing something that is important. And Maslow was the one who said this statement before. He said, it's better to be a first-class sous chef. To be a first-class sous chef rather than to be a second-class doctor. Why would you want to be a medical doctor and get all the status, but you're not happy doing that? and you're second class and doing that when you could be a first class sous chef and you know sous chef not really the glamorous type of job you're not likely to have a show because human beings were created to fulfill what God put in them and what did God put in us? God put the kingdom in us little children the kingdom of God is in you. And Jesus, 2,000 years ago, when he came, he preached this. 
the kingdom of God is at hand. Oh, let's live kingdom lives. I want to summarize these words of wisdom part two. I want to summarize the voice of wisdom part two. You are what you believe. What you believe arises from the thoughts in your mind. The thoughts in your mind create voices who keep, which keep on speaking to you. The self-talk, ultimately, that creates a mindset. That mindset drives your choices. And as summarizing the words of wisdom of Jesus in this portion of the Sermon on the Mount, there's a logic. The Father's logic. And here's the Father's logic. If I take care of the lilies, will I not much more? Will I not much more? If I take care of strangers, will I not much more take care of my own? If I take care of something which has no legacy, not created in my image, has no permanence, will I not much more take care of my people, my covenant people purchased by the precious blood of my son? Will I not take care of my priests and kings? Will I not take care of my sons and daughters? How will I not much more? The second point, Jesus recipe go achieve the kingdom you will receive the rest God bless you thank you for joining us hope you have been blessed this podcast is made possible by generous giving people like you if you want to support us please visit us at www dot nbcsingapore.org www.nbcsingapore.org God bless you